0: Good evening, everyone. Good evening, everyone. I'm just queuing up the chatters to find their way to their seats, wherever your seats are. Let me also say welcome to those of you that are online. Um, We're in a... Kind of a weird season where there are some of you that I know are intentionally online and so I acknowledge that and appreciate your attention tonight and for those of you that were able to come back out thank you for being here as well so first off at the outset what I, I want you all to understand is there is no decision making tonight this is meant to be information for all of you okay whether you are here in person, whether you're watching live online, or whether you watch this later, okay? And obviously, if we weren't in the middle of COVID-19, I'd be pressing a little harder about being here in person. But in this season that we're in, obviously, we're giving you um, the, the right to choose what you feel is safest at this point, all right? So there are no decisions tonight to be made this is meant to be information. And this meeting, in contrast to, and I'm, I'm not trying to play you, but next month you want to be here, okay? You don't want to skip that meeting. Mark it on your calendar. This, the topic tonight, is not really a surprise to anybody, okay? I have talked to the congregation for a number of years about the ability for us to continue to grow not only on this campus, but to be able to grow in planning other churches that we really needed to consider a new name, all right? So, I'm looking around, and I don't think there's anybody that's within the sound of my voice that you haven't heard me talk about that before. So, this is not a news flash to anyone. It's just now time to talk about it. It's time to come to the place of of addressing it. And uh, so, we want to do that tonight, and then I'm going to try to do that expeditiously uh, and then allow you to ask questions, okay? And the point of this is is so that you now have plenty of time to pray and plenty of time to consider, and in fact, in future, the Path Forward meetings, you can ask follow-up questions so that by the time we reach the point where there is a decision to be made, which according to my plan right now will be our annual business meeting the first Sunday in March. And that will be a full business meeting. I'm going to warn all of you because we've got to cover two years of finances because COVID is kind of bowled a bowling ball down through the middle of us. So we're going to cover two years of finances and this topic of whether to change our name. And the first step of that is very simple. It will simply be you voting yay or nay with regard to it about us doing business as. Any of you that have a business background, you know what DBA means. It's kind of an informal way of you really haven't redone all of your documents officially, but you are, whatever you're incorporated as, doing business as, and it allows some marketing. That's not our intention to stay there. But rather, when we redo our bylaws, as is appropriate, that's the point, rather than filing paperwork multiple times, we would address it then. So if you do the math, today's August 22nd, and I'm talking about a decision being made on your behalf, on you making a decision as a congregation, the first Sunday in March of 2022. So anybody do the math, it's about six months, you've got plenty of time. So there is no ramrodding anything here. There's no pressure here. This is meant to take something that I as pastor have articulated to all of you, and I'm going to re-articulate to you very specifically tonight about the need to rename. And then give you the opportunity to pray about that, think about that, ask any questions. It's a very deliberate process. Now, I want to also say to you, that the process that's led to us being here right now, tonight, has been a very deliberate process. It has not been a rushed process. It's been a very deliberate process. And so uh, it's been even more lengthy than what we intended due to this lovely little thing called a pandemic. (laughs) It kind of messed with our timeline. We obviously were not planning to sit on this as, as, as long as we've had to. But I also felt, along with the pastoral team, that this was not something to handle over Zoom. In fact, to be honest with you, I didn't even like handling the parking lot over Zoom, to be honest with you, but we were up against the wall on that, and so we did. We handled that, and thank you to everybody who kind of got on board there and helped us out, and we handled things. Um, So this was something I wanted to do in person. I wanted you to be able to see my eyeballs, and you uh, you listen to everyone, and in fact, we kind of moved this date to the 22nd because the Lugos could be in and also speak to this because they were involved in the process as well. So all of this is kind of coalesced and uh, so, um, Tina, if you would give me the vision frame. That's the first slide that I want up and let's start there. All right, so you all have been seeing this for quite some time, pieces of it you've been hearing for years. All right, let's do a quick review. I'm not saying that you all, oop, you went too fast, Tina. Just leave it up. Is it timed? All right, take the timer off of it if you can. Thank you. I want that parked up there for a minute. I presented this to you at the end of June. Now, pieces of this, like I said, you've already seen before. But what is the point of this vision frame? Okay, I want to hit this from a different angle. One of the things that God has been directing us to is to shift from a single pastor, from a pastor-centric model to a team model. When you multiply people that are involved in leadership and in operation, how do you have those people align? They don't all think the same. That's a strength, by the way. They don't all see the world the same. That's a strength also, by the way. They come from different backgrounds and perspectives. They have different life circumstances, different distractors, all of these different elements. So how do you uh, the plus of a pastor-centric model is, is if that single pastor is not aligned, there's something seriously wrong. Because it just has to align between here and here. It's one head. And that is a strength of the pastor-centric, but the problem with that is, is that whatever's not between here and here can't be supplied. And the reality is, is that human beings are limited, okay? And so that's why I've submitted to you over the years, and as I have studied the Scriptures carefully, and I've shared this with you, is that we find within the New Testament that you do not find churches structured with one person leading it. You find constant, repeated references to the elders, plural. So, this vision frame is very simply a mechanism that allows a group of people to have a shared, aligned focus to carry out the calling of a local congregation. And so the top line and I by the way it's not normally oriented this way if you go and you read the church the one of the books that we used for this is called church unique you can go and read it if you'd like to. Okay? That picture is actually landscape but we don't project landscape so I flipped it on the side and made it excuse me it is portrait and we don't project that way we project landscape so I flipped it on its side. So the top is what we're about. We're about all making disciples of all. That's what we're trying to achieve here. And the uniqueness of Newark is the emphasis on the all. Every Christian church is called to make disciples. That's part of the mandate. That's part of Matthew 28 uh, in Jesus' final words to his church, go ye into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples, teach them, baptize them, and teach them. But our unique calling here is, to, is the emphasis upon all being involved and all being made disciples. Not giving up on anyone, not setting anyone aside, either in trying to have them involved or in having them in the process of being made a disciple. So that's the what of this. Now on the bottom is how we feel, at least for this season, we're to do this. And this, of course, is very familiar to all of you over the last three, four years. Worship, learn, serve. And then we added one-fourth one that we felt we were kind of missing, and it was the whole team that really realized we're a little too serious at Newark. And I know that's hard to believe when you have a pastor that's as goofy as I am, but behind all that goofiness is kind of a deadly seriousness. We need a little bit more play. We need a little bit more levity. We need to relax a little bit more. And so we added that fourth element. So worship, learn, serve, play. This is how we believe We will make disciples, all of us engaged, all of us being made disciples. And then on the left side are the values, or sometimes what are called core values, the motivators, the why we do these things. And there could be more of these, but the point of these six is these are, we would submit, the most important or the most emphasized In understanding the character of who we are. Word, no surprise there, right? If you thought you were going to a church that didn't emphasize the Word, then you were sorely disappointed. This church has always had this emphasis on Word. Discipleship, we're not just interested in collecting people, we're interested in having you engage in a ongoing process that makes you more and more and more like Jesus. Honesty. This is a church that's pretty transparent. This is a church that doesn't hide. We're not focused upon the externals. And then honesty can get a little rough, and so alongside of that is a genuine kindness, a care for one another. Kindness tempers the honesty, even as honesty calls the kindness into reality. And then service, which again is a mirror of this serve down below, but we have always, from the beginning of this church, we have always been about serving, not about lording, not about rulership, not about pomp and circumstance. It's expressed itself differently, but it has always been. And those of you that have been around for quite some time, you know that the founding pastor inculcated this within us, and I have continued it. We are not about pomp and circumstance and, and, and hierarchy, but we are about serving. And I think there's lots of Scripture for that. And then finally, community. Connection with one another. You can't do, you've heard me say this before, you can't do this Christian thing alone. These are the six core values that more than anything else, innervate or give us why we do what we do. And then the final part is the metrics, which is very basically you measure these things. Okay, So any of you that have a business background, you'll recognize that language. Those of you that don't, if you don't measure something, if you don't pay attention to it, then how do you know whether you're succeeding and where you need to adjust? That's all that the measurements are. They're internally based. They're about us trying to continue to stay on track. And when you put these four sides, what it does is it takes certain things and it puts them outside the picture frame. It doesn't mean that things outside the picture frame are wrong. It means they're not what we're focused on. And it also puts certain things inside the frame. This is where we're focused. This is what our unique calling is. Now, the reason I very quickly went through that again, because again, all of you saw this at the end of June. If you didn't, you can go back and find it in our broadcast. I, it was a Sunday, and I, and I brought that to you, okay? The reason that I reviewed that with you is because I knew we needed a new name. I've known that for a number of years. And let me pause here for a moment and, uh, and simply say, that a name was not high priority on the founding pastor and his wife's uh, radar when this church was founded. And I'll tell you why. It's a little amusing. It was irritating at the time. But at the time that Newark United Pentecostal Church was founded, it was in vogue to basically go in. It mirrored really the Baptist church. To go into a town and name yourself the first and then our church organization, United Pentecostal Church. Well, the funny thing is, is dad got that advice and he did that, but there was a little problem that showed up really quickly. There happened to be another first United Pentecostal Church. So as bank statements started going to the wrong addresses, as bank accounts started getting crossed wires, we readily recognized, oops, that was not the sharpest move. And so I don't remember the exact time, but it was relatively quickly that we renamed ourselves simply for the practical reason that we were crossing bank accounts and mailing and all kinds of things. We were causing ourselves confusion. There was a church, a United Pentecostal Church in Minkwadel, in in Wilmington area, that was First United Pentecostal Church, and now we're the First United Pentecostal Church, and how do you distinguish it? All right? So we put a lot of thought into the new name. It's, it's plainly obvious that we didn't because all we did was we got rid of first and we put our town name on it. And I'm not saying that that was a bad move. In fact, it has served us well, but it is a little bit of a problem because it almost feels presumptuous because how are we known? We don't usually go around saying Newark UPC. What did Desi and Rachel say today? We're really glad to be home, Newark, as if we are the whole of Newark. Well we're not. Let's, let's be honest. I mean I'd be glad to reach all of Newark. And how many of you actually live in Newark? Okay, so you see the point is that <laughs> we're all over Newcastle County, and in fact we're over into Maryland and up into PA and okay, so the point is there's not we did not have the need and therefore we did not put a lot of focus on the name. And there is a downside to changing our name. We are known within the community. Newark United Pentecostal Church is absolutely, even though they can't ever get the name correct, you all know how that goes, right? Sometimes we're Newark United. Sometimes we're New York Pentecostal. Sometimes we're, you know, it it goes all over the map. But we are known. And so that is a downside, all right? There's a downside to that, that we are going to, in changing the name, if you... uh, agree to that, if you vote for that, that we will have to deal with that reality, that shift that occurs, okay? But there's also an opportunity that comes with that too, in that we have a fresh start, not that we're running from anything, but that we have a fresh start with an audience that might identify or have made conclusions about us that are not accurate, and it may give another opportunity. But there's a downside to this. My point is We are now at a point where the name I submit to you needs to be scalable. You've all heard me say this before. We need to be able to afford this to other church plants, whether that be another campus or an autonomous church, if they so choose. And Newark UPC doesn't work very well. I can't Establish New York UPC of Middletown or New York UPC of Bear or New York UPC of fill-in-the-blank because we've tied ourselves to a geographical location. The key component of our name is a geographical location, which means it ties us to that geographical location. And so I started there, and I'm going to – you know how I do this, right? I tell you the whole story. So everybody settle in. Just let me tell you the whole story. It'll probably answer most of your questions, but then you can ask any other questions. I'm going to be Steve, okay? It's, it's served me well thus far. I don't, I don't do Scott so well. First of all, I can't spell Ohio well. Um, I don't do Brian very well because I, I don't do well with bricks. I was working with a brick the other day, and I didn't know what I was doing with it, Brian. It was horrible, okay? I don't do Desi very well. The guy's so stinking sweet and kind and everything else. I don't even know how to do it. All right, I do Steve well, so I'm going to do Steve tonight, all right? So let me just tell you the whole story, and I'll try to keep moving on it. So I knew years ago, as we did the year of the plumb line, I began to tell you we need to think about a new name. And I start working on that. Well, this happened to be when I'm working on this, and I'm I'm having ideas, and I'm thinking, and I'm praying. In the midst of this happened to be when Brother Faubert was with us. Brother Russ Faubert was with us as our education pastor. And I I talked with him and Lila. I was actually on a focus week. I talked with him and Lila, and Russ said to me, he says, Steve, he says, I really think that you've skipped a couple steps. And Russ was trying to find a kind way to say that, but I'll just put it in Steve language. Steve, you got ahead of yourself. You've got some elements, and you're trying to figure out a name when, in fact, you need a vision frame. Now, he didn't use that language, but you need to get this clarity about what you're doing, how you're doing it, and why you're doing it. And when you have that clear, then let that define the parameters for a new name. Well, I don't like being told that I got ahead of myself, but it made sense. And so I thought about it for a while, and I thought, this makes sense. And so you'll remember from the June broadcast, that I told you we did a retreat with the pastoral team and a couple other key leadership couples in which we worked on this vision frame. My goal was to come out of that retreat with a new name, which I did not succeed at. Everybody was too pokey. Everybody was too perfectionist. Everybody was too good at what they were doing. And so we didn't get to get out with a name, but we came out with a vision frame. And just so you understand We really were good at doing what we did. Do you understand that every one of those core values has a defining sentence? You'll learn about it in small groups because we're going to teach it to you first. Every one of those core values has a defining sentence that lays it out, what it means. Every one of those sentences ends with the word all. And every one of those sentences has the exact same number of words As all the other sentences. Okay, there's one of the dweebs that did that. I will leave it undefined whether a couple of the other nerds, word nerds, want to identify themselves. There were a select few that literally worked these so that every one of these core values has a sentence, it's structured the same, it's unique, but it has the same number of words. So needless to say, we didn't come out with a name. But we came out with a, with a vision frame. We then took that vision frame. And Tina, if you'll give me those uh, parameters or those guidelines, I then, based upon that, gave to the team these six guidelines. Number one, based upon where we're at right now and the world in which we operate, I said we would be best served if we had one or two words Short is better, and it's got to capture the vision frame. Number two, it needs to be as timeless as possible because, frankly, this process was long, it was laborious, it was detailed, and I didn't want to do it every two years. (laughs) So I said, let's see if we can't knock this out of the park for maybe another 40 years. All right? Number three... My first initial concern is that it's scalable. We could use it in multiple campus locations, and even autonomous churches could use it as they would be birthed out of us. Number four, and I felt this would help with the timeless, if we can be biblical, that would help us. And the basic premise is this we're not leaving the Bible, the Bible's our foundation. The Bible is where what we believe comes from. So if our name is coming from that which we will be committed to until Jesus comes, well, then the name might be a little more timeless. Number five was where I started getting a little demanding of the team. I said we need to try to tell or tie this to a story, and preferably it would be a biblical story that will help us be able to identify ourselves to the people who come to worship with us, who come to be made disciples with us, who become part of us. And then number six may strike you as odd, but I said, I really would love for us not to require the use of the word church. And there's two reasons. First reason is, is because as soon as you visit us, you will not need a word or a sign to tell you we're a church. It's going to be obvious we're a church. So it seems to me wasteful when we're trying to have one or two words to use one of those up with a word that's kind of obvious. Like if you run into a rhinoceros, you're not going to need an identifier to know it's a rhinoceros. We're a church, and we have no intention of being anything but a church. So we're already identified. But the second reason, and this one I need you to listen carefully on, the second reason is is that we are now operating in an environment that whether you like it or not, whether you're comfortable with it or not, it's reality. America and North America is becoming more and more unchurched. Now, you can decry that or you can recognize that's the world that God has called us to reach. Second point, those people do not generally look favorably on the church. Now, you can declare that that's because they're ungodly. You can declare that's because they are heathens. You can declare that's because they are going to split hell wide open. Or you can slow your roll for a minute and recognize that they have heard way too many stories of Christians who haven't acted as Christians. We have a reputation problem. I'm not saying Newark has a reputation problem, but Christianity writ large and religion writ large has a reputation problem. So we can stand up in that face and beat our staffs into the ground and and just insist that they're wrong, or we can do what Jesus instructed us to do, which is be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. I have long tried to build relationship with people before I explain to them why I dress modestly. I have long tried to build real relationship with a person before I tell them, yes, I actually speak in tongues. I'm not ashamed of dressing modestly. I'm not ashamed of speaking in tongues. I'm not ashamed of being baptized in Jesus' name. I am a one God, tongue-talking preacher. But you see, I find example after example, in fact, I'm going to point you to one tonight, in which Jesus didn't announce who he was either. In fact, you find him many times doing miracles and then telling them, don't tell anybody who I am. What's he up to? Is Jesus, the son of God, ashamed of being God? No. He's being wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove so that the light can shine, so that somebody has a real chance instead of assuming that I am a part of the system that has led to child abuse. Or I'm a part of the system that has led to the abuse of women. Or I'm a part of the system that embezzles money from people. Come on, let's be honest with one another. We know that this is a problem. In fact, many of you come to this church because we don't do those things. You value how we handle ourselves. But the stranger doesn't know that. And if we start with church, they're going to fill in all that And then we got to overcome that. So I want to be blunt with you here. I I don't want you getting all nervous and saying, Steve's taking us, you know, to some cult or Steve's taking us to someplace else. No, I simply want to have a fighting chance at sharing the gospel with the lost. And right now in this environment, church doesn't help me do that. They're going to figure out I'm a church soon enough. And I'm not ashamed of being the kind of church that we are. I'm not ashamed of being holy. I'm not ashamed of being filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm not ashamed of repentance. I'm not ashamed of Jesus' name baptism. I am not ashamed of the move of God in our midst. I just don't want to be identified with child abuse, embezzlement of money, scandals that other fallen Christians have foisted upon us. So I gave these six parameters to the team. And so we took some time and we actually, our initial meeting, we all came in with a name. Every single member of the team came in with their name. And we did this before COVID. I don't remember the exact date, but I know it was before COVID because we met in person in the conference room. I remember very clearly. And we shared our names. And each person, one side of me wishes we'd have done it uh, anonymously but then we wouldn't have been able to kind of speak for our name. So every person shared their name, every person shared why they thought it captured the vision frame, how they felt it matched to what I'd showed you before, and why they felt this was a name to be considered. All right? And they were all over the map. Okay? They were all over the map. We had all different kinds of ideas. Okay? Yeah, where's Ross? He's hiding out or something. but. <laughs> He had a particularly colorful name. Surprise surprise, right? He's still a little myth that he didn't get his name. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. So, we took then time to go home and to pray and to consider. Very methodical. And then by that time COVID hit, and so we waited another month and then we realized, "Oh, this is around for a while." And so, if my memory serves me correctly, in the month of May, we then met virtually, and we actually had I actually had Dr. Peyton preside over it virtually. And we came in, and we presented the names, and we voted. Now, here's the good news. We did not agree unanimously. You say, well, how's that good news? Because if you have a team that agrees unanimously, probably something's wrong. Because they're not really a team. Because you don't see things all the same. But I can tell you that the name that I will bring to you tonight did receive a supermajority. Two-thirds or greater of us, if my memory serves me correct, it was somewhere between 70 and 80% were in agreement that this was the name that needed to happen. This was the name we wanted to bring to you. So this that I'm bringing to you has been the result of a process, a process of trying to align ourselves. Tina, if you'd put that vision frame back up. Just go back one slide. Um, trying to align ourselves that instead of showing this to everybody, which we will teach you this and the scripture behind it, and we will teach new members this and all the scripture behind it. But when we first meet somebody, we want the ability to not have to pull this out, but instead be able to capture all of this in a name. And then over time, unpack that as we walk with them and as we introduce ourselves to them. All right. So, I want to tell you a story. It's a biblical story, and yes, it's the story behind the name. And yes, I'm mean, because your minds are going to race right now. As I read through the story, you're going to f- try to figure out what the name is. So why don't we, since you know that you're going to do that, get out your phones, pull up a notepad, and start jotting down possibilities of the name you think it's going to be. You know you're going to do it anyway, so you might as well embrace it and have a little fun with it, all right? And what I'm going to try to do is over the next 15, 20 minutes, I'm going to walk you through a biblical story, and I'm going to draw out things within this story that are tied to this vision frame. And when I've gotten through the story and I've drawn out enough, and I won't be able to draw out everything, I promise you, because I could spend hours, I love this story, I am so excited about this story. I think this captures and stands for who we have been and who we can be in the future. So I'm not going to spend the whole night. I'm not going to spend undue amount of time, but I'm going to walk you through this story, this biblical story. I'm going to share this with you. And then when I've done that sufficiently, I'm going to show you the name. And that will conclude what I have to say to you, and then it goes into your hands, and we will turn to questions that you have, and again, I want to emphasize that even if tonight you don't have a lot of questions, if you look at it and go, you know what, I got to think on this, or I got to pray on this, or I got to ruminate on this, that's fine. You got a whole nother month to do so. We will then spend time on the next topic regarding the path forward. And then at the end of that, we will take questions. And then there is another scheduled the path forward, which is totally and completely about all questions related to the first two about our path forward. Okay, so everybody relax. Let's just walk through this very methodically. And uh, you're in the driver's seat, Newark. I am leading you. I will cast vision to you and I will let you know what I feel. But in the end, this is a congregational model. I will submit myself to what you decide. All right. So here we go. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. How many are ready to vote for the Pharisees? (laughs) What? No no takers? (laughs) I can tell you definitively we did not vote for the Pharisees. All right, I'll stop messing with you. I'm having too much fun with this. Yeah, that's exactly right. I'm playing some, Samantha. I'm playing some. So Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. This was his cousin John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. And the scriptures say that as he left Judea to return to Galilee, normally, you all know this, but normally you would cross over the Jordan and go up on the other side to avoid Samaria. But verse 4 of John chapter 4 tells us he had to go through Samaria on the way. And many a sermon's been preached about that, about Jesus' insistence about going through Samaria. So eventually the scriptures say that he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. So there's this town, and he comes to this town. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus was tired from the long walk and sat wearily beside the well about noontime. So you know the story. He insists on going through, Samaria, despite that not being what you normally did. And he gets tired, and he stops by a well. Every town would have one. And he sits down by the well. Soon, we know later from the story that he sent his disciples into town to get some food and so forth. Soon, he's sitting there, a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. So the first thing I want you to notice in this story is Jesus has set up an encounter. He set up an encounter between himself, the son of God, and a woman who the Jews despised. And of course, you know the story, so I'll foreshadow, not only did the Jews despise her, the Samaritans despised her because she was a highly immoral woman. Jesus did not introduce himself as the son of God. Jesus didn't even say his name. Jesus didn't start with a theological discourse. Jesus started like he did in so many of his parables with something that this woman would understand. He asked her for a drink. Please give me a drink. But he did it in such a way that it provoked a response out of her. He's alone at the time because his disciples have gone into the village to buy some food. The woman is surprised. This is what provokes this response. She's surprised because Jews refuse to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she would have known by his dress and even by his speech that he was a Jew. So she says to Jesus, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan. You're a man, and I'm a woman. What are you doing? Why are you asking me for water? This this is a problem on so many levels. She's got assumptions about what Jews do she assumes he has assumptions about what Samaritans do. And culture says, this man should not be talking to this woman, and this Jew should not be talking to this Samaritan. But remember, Jesus must go through Samaria. This provocative situation, this collision of culture, This changing of expectations is precisely what Jesus is up to. And he doesn't start with anything theological. He doesn't start with anything about eternity. He doesn't start with anything about heaven or hell. He starts with simply a request of her that will cause her to be discomfited in her assumptions. You see, all, making disciples of all. So Jesus replies with a provocative statement. If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. Now, this woman still does not get that Jesus is beginning to speak of something that is not physical but is spiritual. Because her response is, but sir, you don't have a rope and you don't have a bucket. This well is very deep. So not only do you not have a rope and not only do you not have a bucket, you're stupid. Where would you get this living water? How are you going to get it? But this is precisely what Jesus is up to. Jesus insists on going through Samaria so that he can stop at that well. He insists on stopping at that well so he can run into that woman. He insists on running into that woman so he can ask her to do something she doesn't expect to be ask it, asked. She, he asks her to do something so that he can then begin to tell her something she doesn't know. This is carefully calculated. And it's designed to reach for a woman, as we know from the story, that no one else was going to reach for. No Jew was going to reach for because she's a Samaritan. No Samaritan's going to reach for because she's had multiple husbands and she's shacked up with one who's not even her husband. You've heard many a sermon and lesson taught that this woman, the reason she's coming in the middle of the day when she's coming is because she has been shunned by her community. She is ostracized. She's not with other women because other women want nothing to do with her. Jews want nothing to do with her. She's a Samaritan. Men want nothing to do with her. She's a woman. Women want nothing to do with her. She's an immoral woman. And Jesus insists on going through Samaria, insists on stopping at the well. I would love to hear the side conversation that I'm sure Jesus and his disciples had when he said, would you go in and get some food? I'm like, Jesus, we can make it. Let's just get out of Samaria. I don't want to eat that food. I don't want to go anywhere near that town. Jesus says, no, I need you to go into that town and get some food. Jesus, come on, man. Our bellies aren't that hungry. We're, we're good. We're good. Really, seriously, come on. Let's just keep on moving. No, I'm stopping here. You boys go get some food. Oh, come on. Jesus, really? Because Jesus wanted to reach the people that no one else wanted to reach. If you've been in here any length of time, you've heard me tell my prayer of my mother and my father when they founded the church. I hope you all aren't offended by it. But it was Lord, send us everybody that nobody else wants? I know that could be offensive because that puts you in the cart of the group of people that nobody else wants. <laughs> I hope you're not <laughs> offended by that. If you are, you might need to pray about it. Besides, she says, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? We're going to get into a cultural battle here. I don't like your music. I don't like your style. I don't like your nation of origin. I don't like your race. I don't like fill in the blank. Hasn't Newark been tearing those things down for decades now? Too dumb to know we couldn't do it. Too dumb to know that it could not be done. Too dumb to not realize that you gotta stay segregated. Well, you don't. Too dumb to realize that our cultures have to separate us. Well, no, they don't. Too dumb to realize that it doesn't matter who you are or where you're coming from. It doesn't matter how broken you are or how sinful you are. This gospel works for you. All right, got to keep going because I'll start preaching, all right? You, but you, do you, you sense where I'm, I'm going in this story? Do you see this? Do you think you're greater? So she brings up this cultural bit. How can you offer better water than his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Now the hook has turned. Now suddenly she's starting to dawn on her, wait a minute, this dude's up to something other than water. Somebody needs to hear me tonight. What I'm trying to lead you in church is not leaving the gospel, but let's be smart about this. Let's reach people and turn the hook once we've already grabbed their attention, once they're already engaged with us to such an extent that they can't extricate themselves out. She can't leave this man if she wanted to because she's too curious. Her curiosity has done got her. She's like, what is up with this guy? This guy, what, what are you doing? Please, sir, the woman says, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. Jesus demonstrated at this well a sensitivity to her need and it wasn't about water. Why did she not want to come to the well again? Because every time she came to the well, she was reminded that she was alone. Every time she came to the well, she was reminded that nobody loved her. Every time she came to the well, she was reminded that she was the outsider. She was the one nobody wanted. She said, man, if you can give me this water, I don't have to keep being reminded about this. But here's the cool part. There's one level that everybody wants to be helped at, and then there's the deeper level that fixes the problem underneath, and that's where Jesus stayed focused. He said, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. This is not just about you having water. This is not just about you not having to feel lonely. I understand you're feeling lonely. I understand you're feeling ostracized, but that's not all that's going on here. No, 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 this is about something more. So Jesus goes to the root of her problem. Now we're starting to get to honesty. Woo, now we're going to start to get to the real stuff here. Now we're going to start to get to the part where the, you know, the, 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 the brass tacks, if you will. Go get your husband, Jesus told her. Just wise as a serpent. Thought we were talking about water, Jesus. Thought we were talking about wells, Jesus. Thought we were talking about, go get your husband. Jesus, I've already asked you for, to fix my surface problem. No, I want to deal with your core problem. Go get your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. She didn't tell him the whole story. People that walk in these doors, they're not going to tell us the whole story. They're going to test us first. We don't need to be pushing them away when they first come in and they're trying to test it out. No, no, no. There needs to be a safe place where they come in and they get to hide. And we know they're hiding because we've been there before and we can read between the lines. We can see their hurting hearts. We can see their messed up lives, but we play dumb. We sit there and we talk about drinks of water. And we sit there and we talk about other things. And then at the right point, under the unction of the Spirit, we start touching it. Go eat your husband. I don't have a husband. Jesus says, You're right. You don't have a husband. In fact, you've had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. Good job. You speak the truth. She didn't speak the truth, <laughs> she hid. But Jesus laid down a line to her. He let her know, I know what's going on, but I haven't rejected you. I'm sitting at this well. I'm in your presence. Yes, I'm a Jew, and I shouldn't be talking to no Samaritan. You are a Samaritan, and you shouldn't be talking to me. I'm a man, and you're a woman. This shouldn't be happening. And now you know that I know that you are an ungodly woman. You are a person that can besmirch my reputation. Guess what? I don't care about my reputation. I care about you. I don't care what other people think about me. I don't care what other religious leaders think about me. I don't care about the pressures that come. I care about you. Forgive me, I'm going to try to keep calm, but I get excited because this is what Newark is. This is what Newark has always been. The founding pastor before me and myself, we don't listen to political pressures. We don't follow those things. We do what is right based upon the word of God. We're not trying to be unethical, but bless God, we are not going to play games about everybody else, what they think. We're going to reach for the lost. That's what we've always done, and it's going to stay safe that way. You already know that Jesus' disciples didn't like what he was doing, and you're going to hear it again later in the story. They actually correct him. What are you doing, Jesus? He lays down a line to her. Sir, the woman says, you must be a prophet. But then she's got to reclaim herself because she's a little embarrassed because truth does that, kind of strips you down. So she's got to reclaim herself a little bit. So she says, so. I imagine, you know, all you husbands know what I'm talking about? I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's wired in or what, but there's this, there's, this, there's this move that happens. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped? You don't have tambourines. I don't like your food. And I could keep going on. Some of you have even picked those battles. And you have thought I was a daft preacher. Oh, I ain't been daft. I'm just acting like Jesus. Forgive me. I'm not trying to be presumptuous. But I'm not getting distracted by all the little picky uni things about where you worship or where you don't. Do we have drums or don't we have drums? What style of music do we have or not have? What kind of dress do we do? Do we wear a suit or do we not wear a suit? No, I'm not getting distracted. What did I do? I took myself back. must have got excited. Preach it again. No, I'm not <laughs> preaching it again. I need to keep moving. Jesus replies, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. Let me tell you about a future that you can't even wrap your brain around. Oh, Newark, let me tell you about a future you can't even wrap your brain around. Let me tell you about a future where it's not just a few of us breaking down the lines, but there are myriads. Let me tell you about a future where there are multiple congregations that are breaking down these barriers and telling and showing the world that no matter how you politically manipulate and no matter how you try to manipulate and work us, we are children of the Most High God, and we will not operate that way. We will love one another with all of our heart. We will care for one another regardless of whether we understand one another. There's a time coming, woman. Now, I don't know what to do with this. I think this is almost in there to give us permission to be a little human in the midst of trying to not be human, because Jesus digs her a little bit. He says, you Samaritans know very little about the one you worship. That was kind of a cultural dig there. While we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. And in this whole story, this verse, I'm always like, Jesus, I know it wasn't sin, but was that your humanity coming through? Was that, I mean, you're the, you're the Son of God, but it says you're tempted in all points, like as we are yet without sin. Was that you just having a little bit of cultural pride? Was that a little bit of you just saying, I love Ohio, even though nobody here loves Ohio? I love Ohio. I picked something that was, well, for Scott, it's pretty consequential. I think he bleeds all the colors of Ohio, but anyway. So he kind of digs her a little bit, but then he turns back to the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit, and in truth, the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. She basically acknowledges, I don't know. But there's coming a Messiah, and he's going to make it plain. Now's the moment. The moment that all comes off, all the gloves come off, all of it, everything's there. There's enough relationship. They've kind of sparked back and forth. They've kind of fought with one another a little bit. And he says, I am the Messiah. I am the Messiah. Here's Jesus, the Jew who insisted on going through Samaria so he could go to Sychar. He insisted on sitting at the well at Sychar so he could meet that woman. He insisted on asking her something that it might even made him humanly uncomfortable to do, but he knew it would spark a conversation. He insisted on that conversation because he knew that he could lead into something that would transform her. And it wasn't about water I want everybody to see he started with something he actually did not care about. Let me give you a side note. If some of you are wondering what we're doing with our digital campus, that's what's going on. We are talking about something that we don't really care about. Because we're trying to lay down lines to some people who can't hear us yet about what we care about. So we're going to go ahead and lay some lines down to them so that they learn to trust us and they learn to like us and they learn to be in relationship with us so then at the proper time, at the leading of the Spirit, then we'll get to the real meat of the matter. you got a morality problem, lady, but I'm the Messiah and I can fix it. Then the disciples come back and they're shocked. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Why are you talking to her? <laughs> it's funny, through COVID, how many people have not asked me, what are you doing, Beardsley? They're not asking me because they don't have the nerve to find out, what are you doing? You mean you shut your church down for 16 months? What are you thinking? Well, if you'd ask me, I'll tell you. Uh, Yeah, it's almost 17. I I was playing conservative the other way, but yes. Why are you talking to her? But the scripture goes on to tell us that now a woman who comes, who's reticent to even talk to Jesus, who doesn't even understand why he's talking to her, who then gets preoccupied with something that doesn't matter, namely water, she now leaves the thing that doesn't matter behind, her water jar. And she runs back to the village to do what? What? Tell them about this crazy man named Jesus. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Think about that town because they all know her. Everything? Oh, yeah, everything. (laughs) That, That thing here? Yeah, that one. What about this? Yep, he told me that too. What about this? Yep, told me that one too. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Now there's more to the story, and I'm, for sake of time, going to just kind of truncate it and, and not work it through. You've already seen enough of it. You see encapsulated in this story a strategy that is insistent upon the ones that nobody else says can be reached. Yes, we can. You will read in one of the lessons, I give you a long list, and I end it with this statement. To every exception you propose, our answer is all. Worship is present. Learning is present. Serving is present. All right. You done with your game? You need a minute to put down what you think it might be? I haven't even unpacked everything. I don't even think I know all that is to be unpacked in Newark out of this story. So the name that I propose to you, and again, like I said, it's not me. This worked through a whole process, not just pastoral team leadership, but other ministry team leaders as well in that retreat, and then subsequent to it. I'm going to show you a name, and I'm also going to show you kind of like a moniker underneath or just kind of a phrase. That phrase is not locked in stone, but for me, I will tell you, for me, it encapsulates what we're trying to do here. And as the son of the founding pastors, I can tell you that I believe it is extremely consistent with what we have done before. It is why you all have found this to be a safe place, both going and coming. You ready? All right. Hey! The second, the, the second you said Jacob's well, I heard the mark jokingly, and was like, Jacob's well. That's what All right. Now let me give you two more things, and then we're going to turn to questions. First of all, you'll notice that it does not have the name church within it. I want to state again, we are not trying to leave being a church. But it doesn't bother me that somebody in the world will not immediately know we are a church by that name. I have provisionally, cost a small amount of money. I own the URL, well, the church owns, excuse me. The church owns the URLs for jacobswell.info and Jacobswell. And what I'm proposing is, is that our internal website actually stay jacobswell.church. And the one that we interface with society with is jacobswell.info. Somebody said to me recently, you sound like a charity. Great. Doesn't bother me a bit. I don't mind hitting under the radar for a little while until I can get to the place of relationship with somebody that then I can speak the truth in love and take them from a place of, why are you talking to me and how dare you even speak to me, to a place of, come see this place. I've never been in a place like this before. I want them telling their friends, this isn't church like you think of church. Church. Jesus didn't have to make his case to the Samaritans. They came flocking out of the the village of Sychar because the most ungodly woman was transformed and said, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Is not this the Christ? I'm contending to you, Newark, that we have always been a safe place to speak the truth. Many of you have experienced it. I think we need to just simply put that in our name. And Jacob's well, well, we can have Jacob's well, Bear, and we can have Jacob's well, Glasgow, and we can have Jacob's well, Wilmington. We can have Jacob's well any number of ways. It'll move around. We've got a great biblical story. We don't have to start with that story, but when it's time, we can unpack the story. Baked into it are all of our core values. Baked into it are all of our motivations. Baked into it are all of the things that we have always been and are trying to continue to be now. All right. At this point, let me explain one thing. I did pretty good. I wanted to be done at 7. I'm done at 7.04, so shoot me. I went four minutes over. Pastoral team, I want, as we answer questions, if there is a question that arises as a congregation wants to ask something that you feel from your own experience in the process with us that it would be appropriate to respond to or that, just raise your hand and I'll let you even answer it, okay? I don't need to answer all of the questions. I want to emphasize again, this was a process that was with the pastoral team and with ministry couples that were involved in heading up different ministries. And everybody's input was invaluable. The process by which we arrived here, I have great confidence in it. But in the end, you all need to be comfortable with it. Whether you're watching online, and therefore you're not able to ask the questions now, show up in September. We'll give you time to ask questions then. You're gonna have plenty of time to be able to ask questions. If you don't like a public forum, you can come ask us privately. I'll answer any questions. If you're willing to ask it publicly, that'll save me time, because I could answer for a bunch of people. But if you are more quiet or you're more concerned or you don't wanna ask that question, you can ask it privately. We are not trying to shove anything down anybody's throat. We're not trying to insist on anything. Don't mistake my passion for an order. It is not. I believe in what I'm bringing to you, but it is not an order. I do believe we need a new name, and this is what I'm proposing for you to consider. All right. Questions? (laughs) Antoine. Let me hand you the microphone so that those are
1: on oh. can actually hear it as well. Okay. Um, now, no. Serious, serious question. Honestly, a serious question. Okay. Um, I was just wondering in general, underneath a safe place to speak the truth, I noticed that there were seven words within that. Was that intentional based
0: off of no. what you mentioned earlier? No. Okay. Okay. Not. No. It's a legit, it's a okay. legit question. No. And, and like I said, you're not tied to this. And I'm telling you right now, the whole team didn't vote on this. That, a safe place to speak the truth, that just encapsulates for me. You don't even have to use that. You might use it. It won't show up in any documents. You're not voting on that piece of it. That's more of a marketing slogan, if you will, okay? The piece that would be the business name, the actual change of the name, would be Jacob's Well. That just more, Antoine, for me, is another way of kind of saying what I believe this church is. What it has always been. It has always been a safe place to speak the truth. We bow to truth and always have, even when it's costly to us, to others. We try to be kind, but truth is the foundation of it all. So, good question. Any others? So obviously for all of us, the only way that we really know how to describe this thing is as a church. However, the Bible itself doesn't even use the term church the way that we do all that much. So do you as the pastoral team have any suggestions of what sort of language we could use when speaking to others? Like if we want to invite somebody here and we're trying to avoid the word church, we've completely nixed the word church from our name altogether because of that what are we supposed to say? Hey, come to my well this Sunday, you know, like. It's a good question. First thing, Desi, you want to answer that as well? Okay, first thing that I would add is is our starting place, and this is not a surprise to all of you, but our starting place is if they haven't already just on their own walked into this place here, the place we want to reach them first is in the small group. because that's where relationship is built. That is our well. So I'm not telling you to not use the word church, and you're right, Caleb, there is a word, it was called ecclesia. We translate it as church, but it actually just meant assembly. It meant a gathering. I'm not trying to tell you to move away from church. I'm trying to tell you that when you interact with new people, Follow the leading of the Spirit, and you may not need to start there. You might start with, hey, we're serving at a homeless shelter this Friday. Want to come along? Hey, we're doing an outing up in Lancaster. Would you like to come along? Hey, we have a group that meets together online. Would you like to join? Desi.
2: So it's a good question, Caleb, but we're not. I want to nuance what Stephen said because I agree with him. It's a good point, and that we do face challenges as you interact with society around you with the idea of church. For most of America that is not attending church, church does not necessarily convey something positive. At the same time, we're not trying to hide that we're a church. There's not a bait and switch going on. uh, uh, No one should walk in here on a Sunday, hint, hint, morning or whenever and walk in and all of a sudden we're singing songs about Jesus and they go, wait a minute, this is a church? I thought it was a rotary club. You know, there's not a bait and switch going on in that sense. We're not trying to hide that we're a church, but it's an effort to do Uh, business, if I can use that term, because this has the potential to grow beyond church without necessarily putting that word first and its negative connotations. I'm in no way prescribing that you do this, but in time, if this grows and you have multiple campuses and it's connected with a food pantry or a homeless shelter or, I don't know, even a coffee shop or whatever else, and again, I'm not telling you to do any of that. I'm just giving you the perspective... Jacob's well gives you the opportunity to have conversations in a variety of different ways. Anyone who is a churchgoer, someone who has a biblical background and is literate, biblically literate, that is, they're going to understand the connotation of that too. Someone who knows the scriptures will know what Jacob's well refers to. So to nuance that, I don't want any to be concerned, oh, i got to stop saying the word church, or, oh, I can't invite people to church, or, oh, I don't want people to know this is the church. I That's not the intent. So, if someone asks, you can still invite them to church. You can still say, would you like to come with me to church? But Stephen and I were having this conversation, if I can take a slight rabbit trail, just yesterday. I think it was that I was talking with him as we got back into town because we spent the last four months traveling, and we're in a different church every two to three days, and I'm no expert, but we've had a lot of church in a lot of places in the last four months. And as a general rule, it's been our experience that most of our churches, their primary method of reaching their community is to get them to come to a church service. Their primary evangelistic tool is to get someone to come and attend with them on a Sunday service or maybe a midweek Bible study or something like that. And then the hope is that they'll have a positive experience. They can meet them afterwards in some sort of reception and then maybe plug them into a Bible study or something like that. If you haven't figured this out yet and this isn't new, that's not what you're doing here. By all means, I'm not saying don't invite people to church, but the primary vehicle for you to reach your classmates, your coworkers, your neighbors, is you invite them to a small group. So we don't even start church service first when we think of interacting with other people. So all of that plays into it. You know, what do I do if I'm talking to someone and I want to invite them to activity? You want to invite them to church, invite them to church. You don't even have to hide as a church. But as this congregation continues to grow, I will tell you, as someone on the pastoral team and someone, I mean, let's be real, small groups were under my specific purview in a previous iteration of what I did here. I hope that you're inviting people to your small group. And if that's news to you, maybe you should chew on that for a little bit.
0: Other questions?
3: So, are we going to do you have marketing? Any logos? Do you have any of that stuff?
0: Um, It seemed to me presumptuous to do all of that work ahead of time when you all have not (laughs) said that this is what you want to do. And so, no. And in fact, that's why I asked Joyce to put this in just very simple black and white text. And once you have said, yes, this is the direction we want to go, or said, no, this is not the direction that we want to go, then those subsequent things would come. And obviously there, there needs to be church ownership and input, and we'll figure out a process with regard to that. Correct. I, I, I do have, because we did not want to lose it, I did go, and it was a nominal price to, to, to lock in the URL that once the leadership team said, yay, to this name then we went and grabbed those two urls so that we could not lose those but beyond that no okay
2: brother scott did you have a question i i know you said that um we're gonna kind of take the word church out of the name so does that mean upc is completely gone as well excellent
0: question so The United Pentecostal Church, and thank you for asking that question. It's an excellent question. It's a setup for something that I wanted to answer, whether I did it in response to a question or otherwise. So the United Pentecostal Church, um, in our name, it will not be in our name. It won't be in our name. However, don't read that, that we're going anywhere but within the United Pentecostal Church. We have no intention of leaving what we have preached and taught to you for 40-some years. It's not happening. Right now, there are, including Desi and Rachel, there are nine pastoral team members. Seven of them hold some level of credentials with the United Pentecostal Church, and an eighth one is currently studying for those credentials with the United Pentecostal Church. We are this week ordaining the highest level of credentialing, ordaining Sister Rachel, and one of those pastoral team members is the district superintendent, which means he sits on the board of general presbyters that oversees the entire United Pentecostal Church. We're not going anywhere from the United Pentecostal Church. That's exactly right. It just simply will not be in the name. And the problem wasn't so much United Pentecostal Church, even though I will tell you that's really long. When you get done spelling that all out, that gets really, really long. Which is why, if you go to our website now, what is it? Newark UPC. And nobody knows what it means unless you spell it out. Okay? Um, But to answer your question, no, it will not be in the name. But it was not the intent. What we're trying to get to is a scalable name. And as a part of that, as I showed you in the parameters, it needs to be short. And we're trying to be biblically based. We're trying to tie into that. And so the United Pentecostal Church is still who we're affiliated with. It's still who we hold license with. Your current bylaws, and I will tell you any future bylaws right now, they stipulate that you have to have a pastor or pastors that are licensed with the United Pentecostal Church. Someone who does not hold credentials with the United Pentecostal Church cannot pastor this church. So we're not going anywhere with the United Pentecostal Church as far as we're not leaving them. And the depth of that commitment is why I don't see there being an issue as far as changing the name. Now, I do know that others outside may look at this. I will tell you historically. In the United Pentecostal Church, when we get scared that somebody is leaving the truth, one of the things that we look for is do they change their name? So there will be some who will question that. But again, Newark, we've never operated worrying about that. I can take you back in the day where elders told my father not to have black and white worship together. My father didn't listen to them. I can take you back where they said you don't put men and women on the same board. My father ignored them. We've had people tell us you're not supposed to take tithes and support missions. We've ignored them. So, the fact that there are some things where we've had to ignore our peers doesn't mean we're leaving our peers. I very much love the United Pentecostal Church. I believe in what it believes in as far as its core doctrine. And there's no apostolic organization that has a missions program anywhere close to theirs. So, for those two reasons, I believe, and I believe this church believes its core doctrine which is repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, and holy living. And then the second is, is we believe in binding together so we can reach the lost. And we do that better together than apart. It's that simple. Nobody else does a better job than that. So we're not going anywhere. Did that answer your question? Okay. Well, I tend to do that, don't I, Scott? I answer it, and then I answer it again. (laughs) Any other questions that you have? Again, you're going to have time to ask questions as you have time to think about it. I realize some of you are more thinkers, and it'll take you time. And so when those questions come up, jot them down. Don't, don't lose them. But I also don't want to rush you tonight. I want to give you the opportunity to, to ask anything that is on your mind now that can be a part of your prayer and a part of your thinking about it, etc. That's correct. There's no action being taken. Sorry, Desi and Rachel. You gotta be present to vote, so we'll, we'll have to count that you were a part of the first process that is counting there. Antoine.
1: Um, just a quick question. Um, I'm not necessarily yay or nay for this, but when we're doing the voting, is it just for this, or will there be multiple choices that we'd be picking
0: from? Is this our only option, or are we? Where are we? Yes. Good question, thank you for asking that. So where we're at right now is that I have shared with you the process by which leadership has come and is proposing this name to you. So what we will face in the first Sunday in March is it will be an up or down vote on this name. If it is voted down, then I and the leadership team will have to decide Does that mean we don't want to change the name at all? Or is it that we did not have proper discerning and process as far as finding the name and it needs to go to a broader? But right now, to answer your question, no. We're bringing you that we need to change the name and we're proposing that we change it to this name. I realize that when that vote happens, there could be some who vote no because they simply don't want to change the name. There could then be some who vote no who say, yeah, I would like to change the name, but I don't like that name. I don't feel that name. I'll be very honest with you. I got confidence in you, and I know you know how to pray, and I think it'll make itself plain. If it is voted down, I will probably then come back and informally ask for feedback from the congregation, not in the business meeting, not in a formal process, but ask for feedback and say, if you voted no, was it because you didn't want to change the name or is it because you wanted to change the name but you didn't like, didn't feel comfortable with, didn't feel that that name was the right name? Good question. Thank you. Do you notice these questions? It's important that you have time for these to kind of ruminate. That's why we're not rushing this process. It's why we want you to have time to think, time to pray. I trust you. I didn't say that it's easy to trust you. We humans struggle to trust, but I trust you. And I've never pastored you in a way that I did not trust you. When I found myself not acting in a way that was trust, extending trust towards you, I corrected it. This only works if we trust one another. doesn't mean we have to agree. But we've got to believe in one another's intent. So I trust your intent. I trust your ability to pray. I trust your ability to hear the voice of God. And if I will handle, and the pastoral team and I will handle the process in a manner that gives you time and gives you the ability to interact with God, I trust God. So between God and you, I'm okay with what happens. Any other questions? Kindle.
2: So will you change the logo from a dove to like a well?
0: <laughs> we will definitely change the logo. What it will change to... That's yet to be determined, but yes, sir, the logo would change. And by the way, the dove was very incidental too, okay? I could tell you, I could bore you with the story, I'm not going to tonight, but it was an incidental thing. There, somebody in the church, there was an artist, they drew it. We've changed it over the years. It has come to kind of stand for us. People know that dove, but yeah, the dove is not going to be tied. That doesn't match marketing-wise with that name. The idea of a well makes a certain amount of sense. But again, I've not even gone to that place yet. Good question. Any other questions? All right, this is, oh, Sister Julie. Sorry for those of you online, I know I'm disappearing from the camera and you're staring at an empty stage, but I think hearing is more important than seeing right now.
2: Is the, a safe place to speak the truth going to be like underneath um, Jacob's well?
0: That statement is a statement that I believe can be used, but it doesn't have to be used, and it can vary how it's used. In other words, it could be, for example, I could see that being put on a letterhead, for example. I don't see that being put necessarily on the sign. There's too many words so it would be too small to see it, okay? So again, understand that that right there is not something that I'm even having you vote for. It's more of a communication to you so that you can understand what's behind this. What are we trying to do with Jacob's Well? And it's really, somebody in business might be able to give me a better term. I don't know what the term is for it, but it's, it's really a slogan, if you will. And if you know with corporations and businesses, slogans come and go. Okay, so it's really more about just trying to communicate as opposed to the name. Jacob's, well, no, that actually would be something you're voting on. And then it changes. All of our legal documents have that name. That's how we would be known by the state. That's how we would be known by the federal government. That's how we would. It it has legal binding to it as far as the name. I thought about not putting it up there, Julie, because I knew that I would generate some questions like your question, and it's a legit one, but I also felt it captured some of what I was trying to say, and so that's why I included it. But don't get hung up on that, that you're not, The pastoral team could say, we don't even like that. We're not going to use that hardly at all. Okay, that's fine. It'll make sense to me. It doesn't have to make sense to everybody else.
3: If you change a name, would they use the, would they read the word church?
1: Because you again, if you,
3: if, you if if you don't use Jacob Well, and the second question I have, if I'm looking for a church, and I ride by it, I see Jacob Well, and this dome is like over, I may think this might be a mosque. <laughs> and outside, when you say Jacob Well, you had like crosses, so people know it's, it's a church.
0: Okay, so first thing. I will tell you is that anybody who drives by and is interested in us in our day and age, they are not showing up here until they Google us. Now, I know, I, I'm, respectfully, I know that there are some of you elders who are looking at me going, really? Yeah, really. The breed of you that does not Google a place before you go to it, respectfully, is dying. You're not dead yet, but you're... you're There are not a lot of you. See, there's that honesty bit. I need a little more kindness in there probably. I understand. But there are not a lot of you. Most of us don't go anywhere that we have an interest in without first Googling it. There will be no question when they Google us who we are. So there's not going to be anything out on the sign in that sense of crosses or anything. Because I'm not trying to get into a battle with the mosque and that. And you know what? If a Muslim looks and thinks we're a mosque and wants to come, let's rock and roll. I had one lady that was looking for a Presbyterian church and didn't know that a Pentecostal wasn't a Presbyterian church. By the time we were done, she was baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, and she's now died and gone on to heaven, and I'm happy that Dottie came in. So, I don't mind a little bit of confusion, honestly. Did you want to comment on that?
2: Okay. Just food for thought and I know we are very church oriented in all of our language and that doesn't need to change but if you think of other businesses i could start calling out okay purple what does that have to do with a mattress it's a color you see uh, p- businesses pick up names that have nothing to do with what their what their product is or something like that and they become associated apple is a computer company okay nike Sell sports equipment. We were on deputation, I was just thinking, and one of the places we were in, they took us to a little hole in the wall ice cream shop that makes these, uh, they make the ice cream right there. They're a community favorite, they're very busy, etc. The name of the place is Salt and Straw it's a reference to the way they originally made ice cream a hundred years ago, but I had to ask them, what does your name even mean, right? Because you drive by a place and it's called Salt and Straw, I don't think that's an ice cream shop. It has not hurt their business at all.
0: (laughs) Nick?
1: So if the name is gonna be Jacob's Well, and if we're not using the, the word church, and if we're not using United Pentecostal Church, if I Google jacobswell.info, what identifying information is going to be found on the website that says this is a church?
0: Uh, Good. I'll take. Owen just asked a secondary question, and I'll take them both together, which is, will. It, say, Well in Newark. So let me answer both of those. First of all, what specifically is on the website that identifies us? That has to be determined as we come there. We haven't sat down and designed that. But I would point you towards newarkupc.org. That's what we're looking at. So if you go and look at our current website, in fact, on the first Sunday in March, I'm very thankful for this because techie-wise, I was sweating this. When... We have that vote. If you say yes, before the day is out, we will flip a switch. And with a couple of adjustments, that website that's currently newarkupc.org, you will find by going to jacobswell.info. Okay. Yes, Nick? So I'm on newarkupc.info. No, newarkupc.org. Oh, there absolutely is not any information on our doctrine. I refuse to take something that needs to be taught and put it on the website where it can be used by anybody to say anything about us. So then what is there to attract the Jacob's well versus There's a- not. You're going to have had some kind of contact with me and you go to the website because you want to know further information. So to piggyback off the arts question, the person right? Yes. Because what's going to happen is you're going to go to that website. From that website, you're also going to go to Facebook or YouTube, and then you're going to watch us. That's what everybody who comes to us from the website does. They go and watch us. And then from after watching us, they'll make the decision whether to fill out a card and say, hey, I want to come on Sunday, like we had one visitor today who filled out the new contact card on NewYorkUPC.org and said, hey, I'm coming to church. Look for me. We have never... In the life of our websites, we have never, I don't want to be critical of any other church, but hear me very clearly, we have never put a doctrinal statement on our website, ever. I do not cast my pearls among swine. And if you don't understand how the world uses the web, then come talk to me further and I'll explain to you. You you are trying to put into the hands of people something that has to be done in the right format and in the right manner. And Jesus refused to do it. He would only talk to them when it was in the right context and the right place. He didn't even tell the woman of Samaria what he was up to until he had reached a point that she could hear him. So, to be clear, that's not a change. Now, you could disagree with me if you want, but this is what we've been doing ever since we've had a website, which started back in... Uh, probably about 1996. Before I go any further, let me take Brother Owen's question. Initially, we'll simply be identified by our address. At a later point, if we get multiple campuses, then we'll have to decide whether to identify them by changing that our names become Jacobswell, Newark, Jacobswell, Wilmington, etc., and/or a simple central website that then says we have campuses in the following locations. You all are down in the weeds, but that's fine. I'm willing to answer those down in the weed questions. Sister Rachel.
3: So I have a question Um, because from what I understand, the only thing that's changing is the name, not how we do business, not how we do anything online, not anything that we've done in the past is gonna change, right? So during COVID, we had a family that found Our church, because they Googled a church that will baptize me in Jesus' name. Our church came up at the top of the list. They didn't even know what UPC meant. They didn't know anything about all that. So the fact that church was in our name or not in our name had nothing to do with it. But when they Googled, Google pulled information from our website that said, because we have on there, we will baptize you but it doesn't um, even say Jesus name. But they figured out but but it still pulled our church up yeah. because Google will take tags and other things we've said in our videos and it pulled out and said this church will baptize you in Jesus name. So nothing's actually changing. I'm asking that. It's just the name and it, I've had I don't know how many people in this town ask me what does UPC mean? They don't So for for people that are unchurched Our church name right now does not have the name church in it. It doesn't help it. For for people that are unchurched, because they look at our church and it says Newark UPC, we already have a name that to people that are unchurched does not say church to them because they don't know what it means. That's
0: right. And let me add, for those of you that don't know, the way that you, the way Google works is it doesn't work off of the name that you put on your website or that. It works off of Tags that you embed in your website. That's why if you go Google Pentecostal Church, we show up at the top of the list. Because years back, I put tags in, and we we're identified. That's why we'll show up. And there's no reason we can't continue to do that. And that is exactly what we would do. Regina. If you read
3: NewarkUPC.org?
0: So on newrqpc.org, it says we are a diverse apostolic Pentecostal congregation of approximately 300 members. This was pre-COVID. Living in the greater Newcastle County, Delaware area, we represent over a dozen nations of origin from the regions of North and South America, Central America, and the Caribbean, Africa, the Middle East, and Asia, including Brazil, several Caribbean islands, Colombia, Congo, Dominican Republic, El Salvador, Liberia, India, Iran, Mexico, Peru, Puerto Rico, Uganda, and the United States, along with multiple languages including English, Spanish, Portuguese, and American Sign Language. Our passion. We are passionate about discipleship. In fact, it's our mission statement: all making disciples of all. So our core values are the word discipleship, etc. So Correct. I, I never have, Sister Karen. Hold on. Let me let me get you so that those okay. who are online can hear. Yes, ma'am.
3: Um, I wanted to know, is our address, is it still the same or is it changing? And same with our phone number.
0: Our address does not change. Our phone number does not change. And just as a side note, you know that we don't receive mail at our address because people were stealing out of our mailbox, so you know that there's a P.O. box. So none of that is affected at all. None of that is at all. We're simply dealing with a name so that it is scalable. That's it. Sister Joyce.
2: If someone does see one of our previous broadcasts, will, if they go to newarkupc.info, will it reroute them to our new website?
0: Yes, you guys are all down in the weeds, but that's okay, I'll answer it. So what the intention is, is that we will probably pay the nominal fee to continue to own newarkupc.info and newarkupc.org. Main reason is we don't wanna lose all of our email database. And we also want to be able to, if somebody does have that kind of memory, even if it's 10, 15, 20 years ago, and they search that, if we own the URL, we can have it automatically then forward to our new one so we don't lose contact with anybody who has the old name and the old identifier. So, yes, there's a a nominal fee, there's a nominal cost. We'll have to pay each year to own those four URLs, but I think that's a reasonable accommodation given that we're a 40-year-old church with that name and that website having been so entrenched um, that it will forward. So basically, if they put it in, then it'll forward. Any of you can try this right now. If you put in newarkupc.com, it'll take you directly to newarkupc.org because we own .com. I probably will let .com go because there's, there's no need. But at the time when we started websites, it made sense to own both of those. So that's a good question of, of how that will mechanically work. Good questions. Any other questions that you have? Brother Wayne, hey, let me get to you with the microphone. I know you guys don't like the microphone, but if we've got the online audience, it's better if they can hear your voice and hear your question. Um, I know I have invited some of my friends to church since we've been back from COVID and I told them about our old name of the church and supposing they ask, and and I tell them we have a new name, Jacob well. And they're going to, if they ask me, what do that mean? Should I just tell them it's a safe place to speak the truth or just wait till they. You will get, that's an excellent question. What, what should you do in that kind of scenario? And obviously, let me remind you, this is out in the future, so we're not, we're not on it right now. But let's say in April it comes up again and they ask that. In my mind, and again, I don't want to box you in, I don't want to pa- box the pastoral team in, but I do think that's a great little phrase to say to somebody that's saying, who are you and what are you? It's a safe place to speak the truth. But the second thing you can do, Tell them the story of John chapter 4. If they're biblically literate, sit down with them through it. But if they're not, if they're totally unchurched, they don't know anything about the Bible, leave out all the Bible piece, the Bible language type piece, and just say there was a man. He was an amazing man. He's transformed my life. One day he sat down by a well, and a lady came by, and her life was a mess was totally trashed and because he sat by that well and because he talked to her by the time it was over he had transformed her life too then turn and tell him about how he's transformed yours does that answer your question you have more flexibility in how your light shine that's all we're up to folks yes Lila
1: I'm going to say one thing and let you guys get out of here. But um, I think we talked about tags and algorithms and things and how people will find out who we are. If you're looking for a church and you go and you're looking for episodes, you're going to find us. It's going to come up. right? So that's, that's one thing. That's, but we're going to reach souls by building relationships. right? Websites don't reach souls. You know, those kinds of things. We're going to reach souls by building relationships with people. And I think that's one thing we want to hold on to. Um, and again, if we're talking about the unchurched, we're talking about people that don't know Christ at all. Not even people from other denominations, that people that don't know Christ. And the best thing they can do is to get to know you. Maybe even before a small group. It's a coffee shop. It's you know what you talk about at your job. Well, they're gonna build relationships with you first. So this is an incremental thing here. We want people that are gonna last, not come in and you know, kind of have an experience and 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 leave, right? We wanna build relationships. You're the gospel, right? Seen and written of all men. You're, the, you're this living epistle. And so that, that's key. So I know we're all concerned about reaching souls, and so am I. But we're going to do that by building relationships. So that's something I just want to add in there.
0: I don't want to shut down any questions, but at this moment, I want to, as we are, because I do want to let you out no later than eight o'clock. So is there any of the pastoral team that wants to add anything or say anything? I'm not asking you to. I'm just simply giving you space to do so. I, again, have dominated this in the sense of the presentation tonight. Some of us have been active in answering the questions, but is there anything? I want to just kind of give you the opportunity to do that as well, because I do want to be timely. I don't want to keep you longer than what I said. Uh, I would have let you out early, but so far you all have had questions, and so they've been good questions. And um, I hope that that you're not off-put by my passion. I I don't know how to be anything but a passionate person, but I, by the process, please see that the process, the, the, the authority is in your hands. It is not in my hands. I will give you an opinion. I will exercise leadership and guidance in that sense, but then it is in your hands, and I'm giving you plenty of time, plenty of time. Any other questions? Any other comments by the pastoral team? Okay, thank you for coming out. Those of you that are online, thank you for listening. Those of you that will watch this later, thank you for watching. And uh, again, mark your calendars for September, now I'm blanking, is it 26th? 26th, thank you. September 26th, it's a Sunday. Again, same time slot, six o'clock. Please don't miss it, all right? So that we can lay in next piece It's important for you to know. Will we stand together? Thank you for being here. Let's thank the Lord for his presence in our lives. Can we do that together? Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this day. It's been a good day. You've been in our presence. We thank you for that. We thank you for your care, your love, your guidance in our lives. Continue to lead and guide your people. We are your sheep, and, God, we follow your voice, and we thank you for the opportunity to do so. Lead and guide us, O Jesus. Continue to give us peace that passeth all understanding. Give us wisdom beyond our measures, Lord. And let your will be done within our lives. And let your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And with the church say, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for your time tonight. Have a good week. Don't forget Friday night. Sister Rachel's ordination. For those of you that get confused, this is not a small group week. This is not a small group week. All right. God bless you.